asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions. Monday episodes, they might just be the best episodes because we get to listen. It's not just about us talking and for everybody out there to hear our voice. It's about us hearing from the people. That's what it's all about. Most of the time people hate Mondays, but I like how you're reframing it. <laughs> it's a whole new spin on it. Uh, we gotta, are, in we fact, gotta, we got a case of the Mondays, <laughs> not the Mondays. Taking listener questions during this episode. A listener is wondering where he should be stashing an extra $1,000 a month. Uh, another listener is considering dropping full coverage in order to save. She wants to know if that's something that's worth considering. And another listener, I guess not her specifically, but a family member, I think her son, is considering getting loans in order to attend flight school. She wants to know if uh, if she's got our blessing, Joel. So um, yeah, be sure to put on your best, what's your cardinal hat? Like the, the, the popal. Pa- papal? Papal. Yeah. Papal. Uh-huh. Is that the word? I think so. Anything that describes the office of the pope is papal? I think so. Yeah, it's like the a papal office. You remember when those AI generated uh, photos of him in some Balenciaga jacket were going around of the pope? No. <laughs> With like the big, the big yeah. fluffy, puffy jacket? Yeah. There have been a lot of others since that went viral, but that was, that was definitely one that kind of caught people by storm. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of good questions to get to on this episode. But man, I just want to share one thing real quick. Uh, our four-year-old, we're starting to kind of teach him about money. We've got older your kids. Your four-year-old, not my four-year-old. I'm not teaching your four-year-old. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's up to you. Well, you just said it in such a way that made it sound like we share a four-year-old. Uh, you, you've got your own four-year-old. They're best buds. Yes. <laughs> they are. Uh, but no, so I'm teaching my four-year-old, but and it's it's finally time to kind of start doing the beginning uh, sort of steps. It, it, so much of what our kids pick up about personal finances is how we talk about it and how we act. But then there's also like intentional uh, discussion and intentional kind of show and tell sort of stuff that has to happen along the way too, right? And uh, the 10 and the 8-year-old, they've got allowance, they've got chores. Like we've got a system set up for that. But the 4-year-old- do, do they do their chores? Yeah. 
in, in the they do their laundry. The they pick up the room every single week. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the weekend, same day every. every it's every. It's Sundays. For Maybe us, we so. should tie it to more of the day to day stuff. Because when you say like they do their jobs and they're getting their money, that's like that's the problem that we're running into. Is that like the kids? They don't really care. Like we make them do sort of the expected stuff around the house. But when it comes to getting them excited to earn money, they're just kind of like, eh. <laughs> I guess there's no there's no like pot of gold in their mind at the at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. So they're like not pursuing the thing like the extra stuff. I guess. Yeah, I think with the youngest kid too, it, it can kind of be like, uh, well, they'll pick it up by osmosis, and you forget to do That's true. kind of some of the teaching. You're, you're hoping they see what their what their siblings are up to, but we're, we were like, okay, wait a second, we had we actually had this piggy bank, this digital piggy bank that has like a, a counter on top so when you put the money in it's counting up how much money is going in there and he doesn't have any jobs he's not making any he's not making any recurring income uh via allowance every single week but i gave him this piggy bank and we've scrounged up some coins and he loves popping them in there and i feel like that's like literally the most basic thing i can do right is is to kind of at least get him hands-on with some money yeah. and and watching the number go up just kidding kind of getting an idea of of playing with it a little bit number go up before you know it, he's going to be investing in bitcoin yeah. and, and all the cryptocurrencies yeah <laughs> no i think that's that's true a what you're saying about being intentional because i know that's the case for us man like i feel i know with our oldest we were so intentional and diligent and it's like okay well i'm going to teach you about how the money that you leave quote unquote invested with dad that's going to earn interest and in fact it's going to compound weekly <laughs> <laughs> and we like set up all these systems and maybe we went a little overboard for let's say a six-year-old because yeah. i think that's when we started doing that but i yeah i think the temptation might be to just fall off the horse completely and we haven't done much of that at all <laughs> with our four-year-old i mean we've got it we do have a piggy bank that he, he got for christmas that sits up on the shelf but you, you he doesn't forget. earn anything yet you always forget what was the timeline like for the and, yes, and so you yeah. just kind of i think the timeline just gets more and more delayed and it's also the same thing where you're the, the youngest ends up watching uh like scarier movies at an earlier age they, their diet like they, they're not restricted from sugar in the same way as like the firstborn was you were so careful with the first one and then the third one everything just kind of goes to pot so. yeah as he's he's already a fan of ipas yeah, so that's true yeah <laughs> just kidding don't uh, don't call defects on me <laughs> no i think it's true and, and i think for us it's a matter of i was thinking about this he actually does like coffee does he? Yeah. yeah. So does my dude. Yeah. We have, we should, we'll share a picture of them both throwing down their little <laughs> their little kid coffees when we get coffee on Wednesdays. But I was thinking about the other day how I almost want to introduce consumption and advertising to the kids maybe a little bit more. So in order for them to have something to that they want to chase after, that they're excited about, because I almost feel like our quasi-minimalist lifestyle has led to them just being like, okay, we're good. We're, I'm, I'm, we're fine with whatever we, whatever mom and dad, whatever you get us, as opposed to them being like, like, don't you want a Stanley cup or something? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not that. <laughs> Maybe uh, not that. How far. about a pony? Let's go that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go that, that, that way. But no, I think you being intentional, finding a way to get the kids excited about personal finance is huge. It's important to do. Those little digital piggy banks are like four or five bucks at the, do- the dollar store. I mean, they're they're super cheap. And, and as for a four-year-old, it's a good way to begin. Maybe like one of those... I don't know, we haven't done any money books either. Like, I, I've yet to find, like, a great money book for kids, but um, especially for, like, really little kids. If someone out there listening knows of one, please reach out, let us know, uh, and maybe I'll jump in that direction too. But I feel like the tangible, hands-on thing is always kind of the most fun and, and the most rewarding. That's right. Let's introduce our beer. It's called Once Upon an Orchard. This is a sour 
Red Ale, and this one is by Allagash Brewing. I'm already enjoying this one, but looking forward to sharing our thoughts at the end of the episode. One of the great American breweries, that's for sure. That's a good one. Yeah, we'll give our thoughts on this one in just a bit, but uh, Matt, let's take listener questions, and if you are listening and you have a money question you want Matt and I to tackle, maybe on the next Ask HTM episode, we'll just record a voice memo real quick, state your name at the beginning, and then send it our way. If you want more specific directions and the email address and stuff, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. But Matt, let's get to this first one. This question actually starts off with kind of a, a, a pitch for a saving strategy that it, you can find readily on YouTube, but does it actually work out in your favor? Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Jen from Ohio. Been loving listening to your podcast and going back pretty far because I'm just devouring all the content, which is great. I had a comment and a question. So the comment that I was going to make was, I haven't heard you guys talk about velocity banking at all. So my husband and I, we have three kids now and we bought a van last year and we actually opened a HELOC for our house and we used the HELOC to pay off the van loan and then we dumped our all of our income into the HELOC and then pulled money out to like pay our bills for the month. So essentially all of our overage for those months were going to pay down the HELOC. So we paid that off pretty quickly and we now are enjoying a van that's totally paid off. My second question is that my retirement is going to be a little bit different because my husband and I are both teachers and my husband will have a pension plan and with inflation and with him getting master's plus 45 and all the things and if he retires later or whatever we think that the pension plan will be around 100 to 150 per year when we are retired which is a lot of money our yearly expenses are probably around 60,000 right now so For me, I stay home with kids part-time and I have a Roth IRA with $20,000 in it. My question is, with our overage right now, you know, since he has a very solid retirement plan, should I put money into our Roth IRA, my Roth IRA? Should I put money into our 529 plans? Should we try to pay off our house sooner? What kind of advice would you guys have for that? Thanks so much. All right, Jen, thank you so much for your question. And we are glad you kicked things off with Velocity Banking. You know, there's a a reason, Joel, that we don't talk about it very often. And the only times we do actually talk about it is in response to questions about it. And that's because it's not what the influencers out there want you to think it is. (laughs) And so oftentimes, like you alluded to, Joel, you'll see it on YouTube, although I'm sure it's over on TikTok as well. What isn't? Uh, but Velocity Banking, is, it doesn't really help you to get ahead with your finances more quickly. Uh, and for many folks, it what it does, in fact, is it muddies the water, it gets them in trouble, and it can cause your money priorities to get out of whack. It sounds like with Jen that maybe it was more of a one-time thing where she used it to... And if you are using it in order, in order to pay down a debt or a loan that's got a much higher interest rate, so in this case, it sounds like a, maybe it was a one-time thing, where she used the HELOC, she paid off the car loan, and then then focused on paying off the HELOC. I can get behind that. Like the principle behind that is not all that unlike uh, like a zero percent transfer. Well, let's take advantage yeah. of this small period of of time, a limited window, where we can eliminate the most egregious debt. But that's not typically how velocity banking is pitched. It's this continual 
sort of trap that you find yourself in where you are continually paying interest. And that's why we are, are not big, big fans of velocity banking because you, you're just constantly behind the eight ball basically yeah. like like you are constantly on the back side of the wave as opposed to in front of it where you're just riding the interest and where you are accumulating the interest yourself instead you're just constantly and basically by like a month or two just constantly paying interest to somebody else in this case the bank that that holds your HELOC yeah yeah so if you're looking to basically swap one debt for another and and take on a debt that has a lower interest rate and better terms so that you can pay off that debt more quickly. If you have that focus, then I think, I can, like you said, Matt, that can be a good way to go. But that's not necessarily what Velocity Banking is kind of preaching. And some people use credit cards instead of HELOCs with Velocity Banking, and they swear by that too. But that's just... Seems even worse. That, that can get you in real, <laughs> real financial trouble. So you've got to be massively careful. So that, yeah, that's why we don't talk about it. We actually want people for the most part, to stay away from the velocity banking thing. Uh, and on to the heart of your question, Jen. Let's get there. It's amazing <laughs> that you're going to have such a large guaranteed pension in retirement. Not many folks have that, Matt, especially uh, younger listeners. They're like, wait, pension? Can you define that real quick? I'm not really sh- I don't know what that is because I, don't, I haven't been offered one. I think my grandma maybe had one. This is just one of those things that's going going away. It's going the way of the dodo bird. It's, it's basically a fossil. It's a relic at this point. But it is one of the main perks of being a teacher, right? Some of the public service professions, uh, they have more access to pensions, even though those are going away for a lot of public service pros too. But you often deal with, obviously as a teacher, a bunch of years of stress and being underpaid. uh, You 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 can earn more in the private sector for the promise of that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's kind of what you're hoping for is like, listen, I'm going to be underpaid for decades. Hopefully I'm going to enjoy my job. But at the end of the day, once I do hit retirement, I've got this pension and that kind of makes up maybe for some of those those years where you weren't getting as paid paid as much as you could have. And I, retired teachers, I know who have saved and invested decently well, they've got a lot of financial security because of the pension combined with what they've been able to sock away. That's right. And so, Jen, you've got a lot of different options here for these extra funds in your life. Like you said, that pension might mean that you don't have to be quite as diligent of an investor. Let's say instead of investing 15 to 20 percent like we typically encourage folks to do, maybe you're only socking away 10 percent. But if it's between the three options that you mentioned, the Roth IRA, it it likely wins over the rest um, because that account offers just great future tax breaks, uh, the ability to not have to pay any taxes on that money off in the future when you withdraw that money. uh, And they're incredibly flexible as well. But on top of that, what if your husband doesn't work as long as you are predicting? There are different road bumps that, that might arrive in your future. And so it's best to be saving up in other ways, just in case. And the Roth IRA, it's the ideal vehicle for those additional savings. It sounds like at some point in your life, you you wised up to the Roth IRA and you, and you, and you said, oh, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and start putting some money in here. Definitely, and assuming you're with a low cost provider, definitely fire that thing back up and uh, consider uh, maxing that thing out. I think that's a good point too, Matt, though. If a teacher, let's say, has been teaching for seven, eight, nine years in the same district and they're like, all right, if I hit 30, that's when I get this full pension. So I'm just not going to invest as much because I'm banking on that. Well, what if you change your tune? What if at year 12, you say, this is kind of unsustainable. Or, man, I got this job offer down the street. It's going to pay me more. But you have been chronically under saving. And now that pension is is either going to be non-existent or it's going to be a fraction of what you assumed it would be. It's really important to save in a way that you're planning for 
that you're at least thinking about contingency plans and maybe not getting the full pension that you're hoping you're going to get because, hey, life happens and that might not be the way it shakes out. Mm-hmm. And Jen mentioned 529 plans. Let me mention a caveat about those plans. I would say it's a good idea to put at least a little bit of money in those, largely because it kicks off this timeline thanks to new rules uh, about rolling $529 into a Roth IRA for your kids in the future. And while we still want you to prioritize your own financial future in the form of your Roth IRA first, opening up an account and putting in like 100 bucks for each kid now, it makes a whole lot of sense. And, and Jen lives in Ohio. Ohio, Matt, has uh, one of the best 529 plans in the country because the fees are ridiculously low. The investment options are really solid. So, Jen, I would Plus suggest- it's got that state deduction yeah. uh, as well. So definitely check out uh, the Ohio 529 plan. You can read up on about it on a site like savingforcollege.com. And if you have more money down the line, right, beyond the Roth IRA, maybe then you opt to stick more money into those 529 accounts for their future. But I think for the time being, uh, maxing out the Roth for you and for your husband takes precedence over sticking money into 529 accounts beyond, like I said, just that 100 bucks to get the timeline started. So Open it up, but just don't prioritize funding it. Yeah, and definitely do that before you pay more down on your house as well, because we've been saying that mortgages are pretty far down the list of financial priorities for most folks if they have a locked-in low rate. But maybe you took out a mortgage at 7% or even higher, and if so, well, that's going to change the calculus. Uh, But we would rather see you funding flexible retirement accounts first, even with the reality of that future pension, because it's going to offer you the most flexibility down the road. Uh, And these are all basically kind of like the smart, nerdy things to do with your money. Uh, Assuming you don't have any additional debts, I think it's worth maybe zooming out a little bit and like looking at the big picture and what it is that you want to be doing Uh, like in the more medium term, like you are looking at all like long-term goals, like long-term retirement goals for you and your family. But I think it's worth like brainstorming with your, with your husband and thinking through like, what do we want our life to look like? Do we want the kids to be in more activities in the coming years? Are they, are they playing expensive sports that are going to require more of us? Do we want to take a a vacation abroad every single year? That's going to cost us a lot of money. These, if so, these are all things that you want to start socking, at, at least planning to set money aside for these things in the future. But if even after you go through all of that, let's say you're like, oh, no, we don't want to do any of that. Well, that's fine. (laughs) Just realize what you're prioritizing by doing that is you're prioritizing more flexibility and more options for yourself in the future because you're not going to be as dependent on maintaining that job at the school or, or just continue to work in the future. So just realize in one way or the other, you are prioritizing something, whether you are prioritizing it intentionally or if it's just something that you know is generally good and that it becomes sort of a default option for you. Yeah. And of course, you want to prioritize your future and you want to prioritize some of those investment accounts, but not going so hard in that direction that you're unable to use some of those dollars in the here and now to enjoy your life and to make sure you're funding the lifestyle you want for your family. So, uh, we've got more questions to get to on this episode, including one about taking out a loan to go to flight school. How do you do that? We'll talk about that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Joel, we are back from the break, and it's now time to hear from a listener who's trying to figure out where he should stash that extra $1,000 a month. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Arsenio in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my question for you today is, I have about $1,000 a month extra that I want to pay for to explore the house just to try to get it paid off sooner. Um, the idea I was having is, what if instead of the $12,000 annually that I would be going towards the principal, I was to stick it into the S&P account and let it accrue for, let's say, five to eight years, um, and then pull it out and then throw all of that towards the principal. Um, doing the math, it's looking at about maybe ten to $15,000. Uh, I don't know if I'm off on this um, or not. I mean, any guidance will help. Love to hear your opinion. Uh, thanks again. Love the show. Peace. All right, Arsenio. Man, I, lo- I love that you've got a 1000 bucks extra each yeah. month. Matt, that's, uh, you look at the stats. Who can come up with a 1000 bucks in case of an emergency? Uh, like half of Americans, right? <laughs> and, and it almost doesn't even depend on your income. A lot of people making six figures still can't come up with a thousand bucks. That's right. Whereas Arsenio, he's like, I got a thousand bucks extra 
every single month. So he's obviously living frugally. Uh, he's made a big, a big space, a big gap between what he spends and what he brings in, which is admirable. Um, and I love that you want to use this money to make serious progress, Arsenio. You're not saying like, how can I blow it on crazy stuff uh you you want to use this to further your financial future yeah he's, he's not looking at a thousand dollars a month and thinking man i could put that towards a payment on a motorcycle <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is like what typical broke america would be doing or i mean money. yeah and you when you look at even just the average car payment now for a new car in america like something like yeah close to 20 percent of people have a, a more than thousand dollar monthly payment on that vehicle and arsenio likely isn't one of them is my guess because he's he's actually using that money to further his future like these dollars, they can make a big dent in whatever financial goals you have, Arsenio. Your head's in the right place because you want the best of both worlds. You want to you want to juice returns on the extra money that you're saving, but you also want to be rid of your debt sooner than later. I really like, Matt, kind of where Arsenio's head is at here. That he's kind of taking the both-and approach. Lots of people, it's either the, oh, I'm super debt-averse and I even want to get rid of this low-interest rate debt just because it, it's, it, it scares me. Or maybe they get a little too cozy with debt and they're not thinking uh, enough about paying it off. And Arsenio's like, oh, I want both. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's doing the smart thing by looking to pay off that debt. But then he's also trying to like take it up to like another level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I like I like the scrappiness. Like uh, I feel like he's the kind of guy that's going to like cut open the tube of toothpaste and like use the tooth, <laughs> like wipe out the inside <laughs> of the tooth. Like no little bit is going to be left. He's going to like squeeze every last drop out yeah. of it. But Arsenio, obviously, we want you to consider your interest rate on that mortgage if and we kind of touch on this with Jim, but if you're in the 3% range, then there is no rush to eliminate this mortgage. I would just invest and pay the mortgage off as agreed. Because even if you can pay it off sooner, you just might not want to. The only other caveat, though, is if you're the kind of person who's just going to sleep better at night, just knowing that you own your home free and clear. And we want you to keep debt levels reasonable, of course. We're not fans of debt. But if your money can be put to more productive uses, then why not take that route instead? Uh, which is at least partially what you're proposing here, but we wanted to to hammer that point home. Paying off your low interest rate mortgage, especially in today's environment, it would just know that it would be done for personal reasons, like your own personal psychological reasons and for your emotional state, not because it's the best way to optimize your dollars, not because the math makes sense. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you don't even have to get super risky in order to out-earn what your mortgage rate is, right? So just a random old savings account at a place mm-hmm. like CIT or even uh, places that don't pay quite as high of a rate as CIT, you're still outpacing for a whole lot of Americans. You're outpacing your your mortgage interest rate. And so there's just no rush, like you said, Matt, to pay it off quickly. But let's say you, you are in that position and you do want to get rid of that mortgage that mortgage debt as soon as possible, even if it has a low interest rate attached, because that is your prerogative. You certainly can do that. It's personal finance, and and these this is your money. If you're if you're incredibly debt averse, your timeline sounds like it's long enough to where investing makes sense. You you said five to eight years. That is a a length of time at which I'd feel comfortable investing instead of just saving. If if Arsenio had said Matt two years. We'd be far less inclined to sign off on this plan. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope that my investments outperform over a, over a two-year period. Well, then it feels like more of a gamble than making a decision based on historical returns, right? And I think the other uh, thing that works in his favor, the good news is that he can also be flexible, right? Because once you start investing those dollars, you're still not pot committed to paying off that mortgage early. That's true. And, and you can let the circumstances on the ground inform how you proceed. So let's say you're seven years into this process and the market's in a really tough spot, you still don't have the need 
to sell in order to pay off that mortgage fully. You can wait until things recover. Your flexible timeline, I think, is clutch to your ability to decide to and uh, and opt to invest instead of just paying off that debt more quickly every single month as you have that money coming in. Yeah, and that's assuming that you want to continue to do that, say five, six, seven years down the, down the line. Because I think what you might find is that after having invested that money and seeing perhaps, and this is there's no guarantee here, <laughs> but seeing what your returns are on that, thinking, well, why would I take this money out and use that to pay pay down this lower rate mortgage debt that I have, when instead I could leave that invested, continue to see it compound. And you are likely to see that money grow because it's his, he said five to eight years. I think the five-year rolling returns in the stock market, the, the market is likely to see positive returns, something like over 88% of the time. But if you bump it up to eight years, it jumps up significantly. It's something like 95% of the time for a a rolling eight year period of time, you're going to see a positive return. Mm. The odds are in your favor, man, <laughs> that you're, that this money is going to be well served being invested as opposed to paying down that debt. But think long and hard about what accounts that you're going to opt to use. Because of course, taxable brokerage accounts, they're great for some shorter term investing goals, like a quicker mortgage payoff. But don't forget about the Roth IRA. This is like a Roth IRA episode. We're going to talk about all the different ways that it is just wonderful because if you are not already maxing out a Roth IRA, we'll do that and then you can actually use this awesome account to help you to fulfill this mission while still keeping those additional dollars locked away for the future. And the way that you're able to do that is because you pay tax on the money going into a Roth IRA now and then that means that you can take out those contributions at any time in the future tax and penalty free if you so choose to withdraw those contributions to pay down some of your mortgage. Uh, So why not max out that account for the next eight or so years? And then you can just pull the contributions, which in eight years, you're looking at $56,000 in total at that point, assuming that we maintain the $7,000 contribution limit. And then you can use that to help pay off the mortgage and also keep the earnings in there to continue growing. So that's one of the amazing things that the Roth offers is flexibility. but And even beyond that, I would say continuing to prioritize for flexibility is, is key because I think there's a chance you might, we all have different priorities. And I think if there's anything I've learned is that I change my mind or that my wife changes her mind <laughs> or that collectively we, we decide that our family has different priorities that we're looking to pursue. And even just looking to beef up your emergency fund, right? So let's say, because you, Joel, you mentioned the like a savings account earning 5%. I would first be looking to just really pad that thing out, have it nice and a nice, thick emergency fund uh, and give that a couple years before I would even be willing to invest that money. Because, dude, imagine what you might be thinking in two years, what you want to be doing with your money. I, I bet there's a decent chance that it's going to there might be something on the horizon that's completely different than what it is that you're thinking about now. We all have dynamic interests in the things that we're interested in. And yeah. so I just want Arsenio to just Take, take that into account yeah, as well. That, well, that's why I like your suggestion of the Roth IRA, and I think that makes sense. I think a lot of people would assume, oh, taxable brokerage account is the way to go in this case. Well, maybe it is if it's additional dollars on top of the Roth IRA money that Arsenio is already maxing out or something like that. But if not, if he's neglected the, the, the Roth IRA up until this point, that is the go-to account. That makes the most sense. And then you're getting kind of the best of both worlds like he's aiming for. You're able to like force save 56000 bucks over that timeline, but you're also, by, by the time you would 
withdraw those contributions, you've got a lot of money left over in that Roth IRA that's growing for your future. So you've got a mortgage that you're getting closer to paying off. You've got significantly more saved and invested for retirement. So I really like that as a plan for Arsenio. Yep. Yeah. The only downside, though, is if he changes his mind in two years, because the chances of that being a positive outcome could be significantly lower than, of course, where he just to sock it away in savings. Timeline's still that's, clutch if that, you're exactly. investing. Yeah. And that's the part where I just want, Arsenio, for you to keep that in mind, because you mentioned the five to eight year timeline. But just think about even like two years down the road, what it is that you might have uh, pivoted to is what I'm saying. Yeah, Arsenio, I hope that helps. I feel like there's a, a few different directions you can go. A lot of it based on kind of your own personal desire, hopes, yeah. goals, and dreams. And there's a few different accounts that you can use to help get you there. Just make sure you're making those decisions with intentionality, right? Knowing the trade-offs of each decision. Totally. And it's a good problem to have. Like bot- oh, basically yeah. what we're doing here, like what, what Artesino is asking us to do is to solve the problem of having too much money on hand. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's a, yeah, a great problem to, to be solving. Yeah, exactly. And he's got, the, again, the right mindset. He's He wants to make progress and not like go in reverse, which, mm-hmm. uh, or, or continue to like, I don't know, spin your wheels. All right, speaking of spinning your wheels, man, let's talk to, or, or let's get a, a question from a listener here about going to flight school. Spin your propellers, not spin your wheels. That's right. Yeah, you're right. So, all right, let's let's get to that one now. Hi, my name is Lindsay, and I'm from San Diego. My son wants to attend a flight school, a commercial flight school. We paid for his pilot's license on the side to save on cost, but we don't have extra money to pay for the actual school, and he's going to need to take out a loan. And the cost for the school is about $90,000. The school recommends that we go through Sally May for the loan but the interest is crazy high. We've checked with our credit union and some other banks and they don't give out what's considered a certificate. It's not a diploma that he would get, it's a certificate. So I don't know where else to turn. Is there anywhere else where I can go to get a loan with better interest rates for a certificate? Thank you. All right, Lindsay. First off, congrats to your son who's considering flight school here. I think this could be a great career that he's embarking on. But mm-hmm. that being said, it is not cheap to get the education. She, I think she said $90,000, and it seems like that is right there smack dab in the middle of yeah. what flight school typically costs. But the light at the end of the tunnel is a very in-demand career that pays pretty dang well. We can link to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and you can see kind of what the the average or the mean salaries are for different pilots. Oh, do you know it off the top of your head, Matt? It's, it's in the six figures. I know that That's, much. Yeah. Like so, 120 even, I think, for like a commercial pilot, Okay, let alone some of the additional income and I don't know. Bonuses? Do you, you earn bonuses as a pilot? I don't know, personally. Well, some of those, you know, the, the major airlines, the, the new contracts they've made with pilots, the pilots got significant pay increases. So it's a it's a good position to be in. And it meets our threshold, Matt, of you want your first year salary to be more in all likelihood than what you're going to fork over in, in education costs, right? So I, I think that even though it seems incredibly expensive, and it is expensive, $90,000. That's a lot of money. Flight school is not is not cheap, but um, it's still important to note that this that doesn't make, make it a boneheaded financial decision. So we yeah, we would love for you to find ways to minimize the debt that you take on though still, right? We don't want you just to be comfortable taking on a ridiculous amount of debt. Because even though this debt is going to, you know, fuel his earning potential, and if this is the line of work he wants to be in for decades, that 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 debt is of course going to pay off in a major way. And let's talk about flight school, Matt. Like most flight schools are considered trade schools, so this is a different ball game than going to a you know four year state school or private school. 
This means that you often can't take out traditional federal student loans in order to get that degree. It puts you in this like second tier system of trying to finance this, getting this certificate. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that your school says that you can snag Sally Mae loans. Lindsay said, Matt, that the interest rate was crazy high. I would be curious to know how high and what she meant by that. That's true, because she didn't give us a hard number. So much is in the eye of the beholder. And are we talking about a 7% fixed rate? Because that's actually not awful these days. <laughs> and it seems awful compared to the an era of three or four years ago. But given kind of the options that you have at your disposal today, that would actually be a reasonable choice. There's a, a site called College Avenue. That's another option. They apparently have interest rates that start in the 5% range. But then again, depending on credit and other circumstances, the, the loan rate could go up to 18%. You could also check out a website called Zuntify. They make flight school loans. We'll link to all these in the show notes. But you might not be able to secure a better rate than what you're going to get through Sally May. I just, I just want to put that out there. Like There are potentially other options, but Sally May actually could be the best option you have. Yeah. On one hand, like it's, it's kind of terrible news because there aren't a whole lot of options to shop around so on one hand i think that's terrible on the other hand i kind of like there's part of me that's just like man i don't want it to be super accessible like i don't want it to be like this default place where you go and you can take massive loans up to a hundred thousand dollars without hardly even thinking about it yeah. um, because that's i think one of the problems we've run into with higher education is the fact that students have been able to take out boatloads of debt without really considering where this is going to spit them out at the end of this four-year <laughs> four-year career and um, unappetizing interest rates should hopefully help you and your family get a little more creative about ways yeah. to reduce the cost of that education well, too because we don't want you Lindsay, to take out alone just for the full price of admission if you can help it could your son maybe even work at the flight school to maybe receive a, a tuition reduction like basically we want you and your your son to be on like a first name basis mm -hmm. because and i think by doing that you're going to have more of an ability to possibly get a discount this isn't like some popular state school that just won some football championship where they're letting in like thousands and thousands of students in every single class like this is a flight school i'm guessing there's like 20 kids 20 students like in the actual classroom like on the ground for classroom instruction but then beyond that it's like you're you're with an instructor it's like one-on-one -on -one, like you're in the air with a flight instructor <laughs> and so like the no way, wonder it costs more it costs more yes but i guess what i'm saying is I, I picture you having the ability to be the squeaky wheel and to stand out and to find ways to to, to reduce the cost of admission or cost of, of tuition that maybe otherwise would not be available by going yeah. to some giant school where you're just one of hundreds or thousands of cogs. Yeah. I think you do have the ability to figure something out, a solution that just might seem a little non-conventional. Yeah, they seem say necessity is the mother of invention. And I, I'm hoping that's the case for Lindsay and for her son. Like, put the ball in his court. Make him make some of these emails. Like, uh, Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, think about that. This isn't all just on you. Like, yeah. let's, how badly does your son want to be a pilot? That's right. <laughs> and can he, makes me, Matt, I did work study. I was uh, an RA. I did all sorts of things on campus to reduce the costs of my college uh, the, and, and reduce the amount of loans I was taking on. And granted, that's at a traditional four-year school. But there are, I, I would imagine there are similar sorts of avenues to reduce the cost at a flight school. But it takes, like you said, being the squeaky wheel, asking those questions, being the, and him in particular being the person because it shows some gumption on his part. And I think yeah. the instructors of that school might say, oh, wait, yeah, we can fit you in here and then and we can get you a little discount by doing this, this, and this. So I just wouldn't take that face value price tag and think that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I, I like the idea of having buy-in from the sun as well, because if he has to show up and he's like in the hang, I'm picturing I don't know, like 
a classic romantic view of what it looks like to be a pilot. And so I just picture him the in this goggles and the leather hat. <laughs> and then he's, he's there having to like sweep. Yeah. And if he, if there's an option to do something like that and he's just like, oh man, that sucks. Like, I don't want to have to do that. I think then at that point, a larger conversation is warranted <laughs> yeah. because I, I guess when Lindsay mentioned that they were able to buy the or pay for the pilot's license, the initial pilot's license on the side, I, I'm starting to realize that maybe this son is a little bit younger, uh, in which case Lindsay's assuming that she that that she's going to be footing the bill. But finding a way to get buy in buy from the son without having him completely saddled with ninety thousand dollars in debt. I think finding some sort of solution there is, is, is what we're seeking here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Both of your powers combined can kind of help figure this out. It's not all on your shoulders, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and okay, on that note, Matt, I think there's one other thing, one other arena in which you could potentially save money on this higher education, and, and that's scholarships. They're not as widely available as they are for, let's say, going to get an undergrad degree or even a graduate degree, maybe. But the best thing about scholarships is th- that's free money that doesn't have to be repaid. So I would get serious about applying applying for those in order to reduce the financial burden of flight school. And then on top of that, look into airlines, right, that offer tuition reimbursement for flight training school. Boeing is one of those companies, Matt, that offers that, I think, for for a lot of young pilots. You know, you might have to take loans on the front end, uh, but if you're willing to commit to a specific airline, right, or a specific company that offers that tuition reimbursement, they offer that perk for a number of years, you might be able to get paid at that company in that job and have uh, see that debt get eradicated completely by the largesse, essentially, of your of your new employer, that's also worth looking into. Yeah, we didn't even touch on joining the armed services. And I may, is it considered the armed services if you're a pilot? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> joining the military. You yourself aren't armed, but your vehicle is. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what your views on on joining the military, but like joining the Air Force or joining the Navy. And I mean, hello, like here's a way to not only not have to pay a ton of money in order to get your pilot's, pilot's license and learn how to fly, but they teach you how to do this you are earning a significant uh income you are starting your career all while avoiding some potentially massive amounts of loans that could potentially be close to the 20 percent joel you like we you know we've got a friend of ours who was in the air force and for a period of time was instead flying for fedex because he had stepped yeah. out of the armed services and That's so right. there are just a lot of different ways to skin this cat than just taking the ninety thousand in loans Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the GI Bill actually allows you to pay for the cost of flight school up to a certain amount as well. So if you've served, yeah, if you've served in the armed forces for a number of years and you get you qualify for the GI Bill, that's another way to massively reduce the cost. I love it. It's on the U.S. government's shoulders (laughs) instead of your own, right? So uh, again, that's a very personal decision, but it's at least worth throwing out there. That's right. We got a couple more questions to get to, including one about tapping retirement accounts to pay for higher interest debt. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, man, let's get back at it. Before we get to the 401k loan question, uh, let's talk about Hyundais. This is our Facebook question of the week. Are you just talking about Hyundais because I mentioned how good the new Santa Fe looks? It does it look good. Pretty, it does look pretty sweet. Dude, all these new SUVs, look, they, they just have this new sharper, edgier look to them. The the new Toyota Land Cruiser looks mm -hmm. so good. The new Santa Fe. Yeah, I think you can thank uh, the Cybertruck for that. <laughs> no, they don't look like that. They, they look, don't look like that. But again, we've had this discussion before. Well, even if you don't like what it is that Tesla is doing, that what Elon Musk is doing, when you push design and when you push certain technologies, it allows anything up until that point to almost seem normal. Yeah. And so when you have somebody that's something that's the, the bleeding edge, the leading edge of technology, it, I think it does allow for other kinds of innovation. Yeah, but, um, it's funny. It's also kind of a throwback, though, to a lot of the the ways that some of the like the old Broncos and stuff used to look. Yeah, so that's true. That's the kind of like 1970s vibe is, is hot again. I like it. Uh, OK, the Facebook question of the week. This one is from Rebecca. And she says, I have a 2016 Hyundai paid off. And Kelly Blue Book says it's worth five to seven thousand dollars. I'm currently paying full coverage for car insurance. And I'm thinking about switching to liability only I work from home and only drive it about seven thousand miles per year. My plan is to keep the car until it's well and dead with my car's current value. Should I switch or keep it at full coverage? What are some other things to consider when making this decision? Mm. What you think, Joel? Rebecca, I would totally go in this direction if I were you, but only if you have the money set aside to replace the car. Because let's say you get in a wreck next week after you've dropped full coverage and it's your fault. Terrible timing. Bad timing. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, and if you have the cash on hand to cover it, it's not uh, ideal. It's not what you would have wished. But at least you have the money to cover yourself and to replace that car in the event of that accident. So basically, collision is the coverage you need to replace your own car if you are at fault. 
if I was in your situation, I'd be very comfortable dropping that additional coverage, but only if I had the money set aside in a car savings bucket. You said it's worth five to seven grand. Well, sometimes it's worth more to you. I, in, unless I had something like three to six months worth of living expenses on hand, plus that additional car fund bucket set aside mm-hmm. of seven grand or something like that, then I, I probably would hold on to it. But ultimately, it's probably going to save you a bunch of money, Matt. We just got a, an yeah. email from listener Benjamin out in California. He saved so much by, I think his car he said was worth 3500 or four grand. And he saved a ton of money, something to the tune of like uh, four figures annually by reducing his coverage that's a big savings for most people and oftentimes by dropping your coverage you might be able to save an insurance cost the full uh, amount of the value of the vehicle in like four five six years time totally yeah Uh, i like what you said about having special funds designated for this car replacement where the situation to arise that being said in is as much as i like to shy away from risk like this i would also feel comfortable not having, I guess, a full amount of money set aside on top of the emergency fund. Like, I might even be willing to split the difference a little bit. Like, I wouldn't want to fully deplete my emergency fund. Like, I wouldn't want it to, say, knock out a month or two's worth of living expenses. But I think I would be comfortable, like, splitting splitting the difference a little bit. Like, all right, it's going to cost $7,000 to replace that car. Maybe let's pad this thing out an extra $3,500, maybe an extra four grand. Yeah. Because that way it's like, well... It's not like you're expecting to wreck this car, right? It's not like like it's not like replacing the tires in your car where you know at some point I'm going to have to pay for some some new tires. Like Rebecca said, hopefully this is something she's going to be able to like drive off into the sunset and she's got many more years of of use ahead. But at some point, yeah, I could see you going from like $4,000 right now. So it's like next year, oh, it's still kicking. All right, maybe I'll throw another 500 bucks in there. Oh, another year? And you like slowly kind of expand that yeah. that that bucket because you know that you are getting closer to the end of that. Well, let's be honest. You, that vehicle. You're going to be able to throw that extra money in there because and you're going to pay a whole lot less you, on insurance. You'll be able to do it very quickly. Throw that difference into the, yep. the savings bucket. Earning and, interest all the while. Yeah, and, and that money's going to work for you. Granted, it's also acting as a form of self-insurance, but it's working for you and instead of going to pay the insurance company. Totally, yeah. I think one other thing that she could do is ask her agent uh, as to whether or not she qualifies for a discount based on how few miles she drives. Because Rebecca, like most insur- insurance companies will reduce the premiums if you drive fewer than like 7,500 miles in the average year. That's like the, for some reason, the magical amount. So for whatever miles. reason. Yeah. yeah, so not only might you save by switching your policy to liability only, but you could get another helpful discount because of how little you drive, and stacking those dis- discounts like that can add up in a pretty significant way. Yeah, we'll link to an article we talked about. Where there's a bunch of other ways you can try to try to snag some discounts on auto insurance, given how expensive auto insurance has become, specifically over the last 12 months for so many people. It's worth looking under every single rock that you can to try to find every additional discount that you possibly can because the savings can be significant. But I'm not aware of any more significant savings that you're going to get that rivals ditching full coverage and opting for liability only. That is the number one way to save if you can self-insure, like we said. And and I love that you're wanting to keep that car for years to come as well. It's just a 2016 and you drive so little, uh, it sounds like you take good care of it. Like this is a car you should be able to own and enjoy for years and years and years to come. And all it's really going to do is save you money. All right, man, let's take one more question from the Facebook group real quick. This one came from Anonymous, and it said, My husband and I have some credit card debt. We're considering a loan from our 401k because the interest we pay is going back to us, to our account. We're about eight years from retirement and on track with savings and investments. Are there any concerns with this? All right, well, Anonymous, first off, we're glad that you are on track with your retirement savings, but... 
This credit card debt is the top priority for you right now. Uh, it's actually easier for you to tap your 401k for cash than it's ever been before. And that's because of the Secure Act 2.0. Uh, that made hardship withdrawals of $1,000 as easy as stealing candy from a baby. <laughs> Which uh, is actually really easy. I do it all the time. Very easy, yeah. uh, especially at Halloween. <laughs> Daddy tax. Yeah, sorry. But because it's easy doesn't mean that this is something that you should necessarily do. It's not the worst thing that you could do, but we want you to be very careful before you take the plunge. And the reason for that is if you lose your job before you're done paying back those funds, you've got to pay back the full amount of the loan immediately. And then on top of that, the, the money that you're borrowing is not working in the market for you, which sucks. That's the whole point of your 401k is yeah. to be able to fund your retirement. It's not an opportunity costs. Not to pay for life in the here and now. That's right. Yeah, if you run some scenarios of someone, let's say, taking out money to do something frivolous, to buy a new car or... And I know this isn't for that reason. This is to pay off debt. So it seems like it's a more noble ambition. But still, if you if you look at the numbers that you're going to have in retirement, if you had a 401k loan for, let's say, four or five years, taking that money out, not letting it grow, and paying it back over time, you're going to end up in a significantly worse financial position come your retirement age. And it's not that a 401k loan can't make sense in a worst case scenario. It's just that there are likely better options for you. And so uh, you can call your credit card company. You can ask for an interest rate reduction. That is something you can do in about uh, 10 minutes, and they might do it just because you asked. It is worth at least asking the question. A balance transfer card could make more sense too. Depends on your credit score and how disciplined you're going to be. That also depends on your timeline for getting that credit card debt paid off. If it's going to take you four or five years, then a eh, balance transfer card might not make the most sense. But the C City Simplicity card, for example, will give you 21 months at 0% interest, uh, but again, can you get the full debt paid off in this time frame? If so, that might be a better direction than taking money out of your 401k. Uh, but it's crucial to take stock also at the same time of what got you into this credit card debt in the first place. If you go the balance yes. transfer route, but you don't have the discipline to pay off your debt, you're going to wind up in a worse financial position. And, and that's kind of what's problematic too, Matt, about the 401k loan. You mentioned, hey, if you've got a long timeline to pay it off, but you lose your job, well, you're over a barrel financially. Where are you going to come up with that money now? You've got to find another place to get money from. It and, exposes you to more risk, but it doesn't address the underlying cause that got you to this point in the first yeah. place. Like the 401k loan just feels like a Band-Aid and it doesn't uh, like address the root cause, yeah. which might be... Like, did you find yourself in a crunch because you didn't have any cash on hand and therefore you had to rely on your credit cards? Well, if that's the case, you need to address the fact that you need to have more cash on hand. You need to have a fatter emergency fund if it's because it's in this credit card debt. So maybe there's spending that was involved that was not very intentional. <laughs> well, if that's the case, it's worth thinking through how can we be more proactive and intentional with our spending. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's even like just like not being organized because you're like, well, we don't. Oh, shoot. Forgot about this account. And if that's the case, it sounds like this couple might be a little bit older, but I would say that like a budget is the solution here, like to which I don't think I've ever said this, but hey, you might want to check out Copilot <laughs> as you're getting closer to, to retirement age. I don't think we've ever told a couple who's considering retirement to get on a budget. But that being said, it can help to figure out how much it takes to live on every single year. Yeah. It can actually give you the confidence needed to in, enter into those retirement years. Yeah. And so what, what I'm getting at here, though, is addressing what the underlying root cause might be before just pulling the trigger on something like a 401k loan. Yeah. And I think there's like uh, 
there's like an insidious thing that happens mentally when you when you actually take money out of your retirement account before you reach retirement age you start to think oh this is a place i can take money from um and and maybe you end up taking more money from it down the down the line in the future like it's like once you cross that barrier you start to you have like an inappropriate relationship then with that 401k <laughs> and so i just want you to keep, maybe keep it above board not touch that money find another place to get it and then like you said matt be disciplined about kind of getting rid of that credit card debt as soon as possible keeping that money growing in your retirement account because hey guess what you're getting closer to retirement age and you don't want to unduly interrupt that that compounding process that's right especially those last few years or the the compounding has the largest impact on your overall net worth in those yeah. those final few years but uh joel let's get back to the beer you and i enjoyed once upon an orchard by allagash what were your thoughts so this one was more tart than i thought it was going to be but i loved it I was a big was fan. So good. Sometimes the fruity ones can be uh, a little more, a little more fruit forward, and a little less of whatever that base beer is that's got like the the sour notes going on. This one was like the best of both worlds. It was fruity, but it was also really tart, really sour. I love everything Allagash does, and this is a big win for them. Yeah, it was, dude. It was like super jammy, like because I feel like the fruit. And I was afraid of uh, that this because a lot of times I think one of the reasons I don't like raspberries is they have sort of like that fruity tartness, but without much depth or body. And I feel like it's funny because at the beginning before we hit record, you're like, what's in this? Is this is there strawberry in this? It smelled almost like strawberries. And I feel like what strawberry has that raspberry doesn't is like backbone <laughs> like, like depth like just imagine having like strawberry jam as a, versus like raspberry jam like i don't know in my mind there's just more flavor with strawberry obviously i think it's, it has to do with the fact that they blended this with blueberries but yeah man it just it had this depth uh and like this umame where i felt like my mouth was still sort of chewing on it still enjoying yeah. it even after i had uh after i had swallowed it yeah it had a nice viscosity it wasn't too thin yeah. and yeah the it fruits, lingered the fruit really came forward in this one and it's kind of what we've come to expect at this point from allagash they just make it's so good phenomenal beers this one was a uh, corked in cage too so it always feels a little bit fancier too when you end up making that pop <laughs> yeah <laughs> that popping sound as a versus just popping a cap off true story all right well that's going to do it for this episode we'll have uh, show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com with links for some of the resources that we mentioned during this episode today but matt that's going to do it for this one until next time best friends out best friends out It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.